new episode of Matt's Employment Law and HR Update. I'm Matthew Huggett, I'm a partner at Carbon Law Partners, and I am going to be talking to you today about immigration. But before I get on to uh, that topic, uh, what I'd like to do is draw your attention to the fact that we do have other previous episodes of the podcast, so please do go back and check those out if you are interested in the topics that we were talking about then. We've covered issues such as guidance in relation to domestic abuse and domestic violence and the impact that that has at work and what employers should do about that. Uh, We've also had a look at the COVID vaccination and whether employers can force people to have the COVID vaccination or what the options are in relation to that. And also provided other general updates as well. So please do go back and have a look at those. Um, We've also got a YouTube channel. So please do just search for Matthew Huggett or Matt's Employment Law and HR Update to find that and obviously it would be great if you could subscribe to that because we keep that updated on a regular basis as well and if you don't particularly like all of the listening or all of the watching then you can of course update yourself with our email update service or of course our LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook. Um, Now today's topic is going to be immigration. Now, I completely appreciate that you're probably all aware of the fact that we've left Europe and that that happened on the 31st of December. But of course, with that has come the changing requirements regarding the EU settlement scheme uh, for those employees who held or to hold EU passports, passports and were in the UK before the 31st of December 2020. Now, for others that were not in the UK before actually 11pm on the 31st of December 2020, we of course have new immigration rules which require the employer to be a sponsor and also for the prospective employee to secure enough points in the new points-based immigration system. And I'm sure you've probably all read about this already. After all, we're we're well into this scheme now, halfway through the, uh, well, certainly halfway through the settlement scheme. And that's what I'll just turn to now. So I, I just want to remind you, really, of uh, of what that settlement scheme provides. And also, just so that you, you are aware, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to talk to you about the EU settlement scheme as it works at the moment in the new point scheme. And then I'm also going to uh, address some new news uh, that's come out uh, just over a week ago uh, from the government about changes to various aspects of the immigration schemes. So... That's how we're going to deal with that. But first of all, as I said, a bit of a summary, a bit of a reminder, hopefully, uh, for those of you who have already come across the EU settlement scheme and the new immigration rules. But for those of you who haven't, hopefully this can provide a a nice summary to introduce you to the topic. So, for any individual that was in the UK before 11pm on the 31st of December 2020, and who is an EU citizen, then they can reply to remain in the UK under the EU settlement scheme. Now, the basic rules of this scheme are that individuals that are affected need to apply online by the 30th of June 2021. And that's pretty much an absolute deadline, but it was an absolute deadline before, but this is one of the, the bits of news that I'll cover a little bit later. So, you should really be applying by the 30th of June 2021 and that will then confirm whether that individual is then going to receive either settled status or pre-settled status or in fact possibly have their application rejected. But individuals who have been in the UK for more than five years already will normally receive settled status and that will then entitle them 
to remain in the UK on a permanent basis and also to remain working in the UK. For any individual that's been in the UK for less than five years, they will then be given pre-settled status and that will then give them permission to stay in the UK for the next five years and then, as long as they are not absent for too long a period during that next five years, they will then automatically receive settled status at the end of that period. And then further, once an individual has received settled status, they can then apply to become a British citizen after a further year. So, that's the basics of the EU settlement scheme. Now, of course, there are, there are various provisions within that scheme where applicants can be rejected, as I uh, indicated. Now, that's mainly in relation to people who have got uh, criminal records. And that's the basis, really, that those, uh, those applications are going to be refused. There are a few other little uh, twists and turns in relation to the scheme, but, uh, but that's really the basic fundamentals of it. Now, turning to the points scheme. Now, the points scheme, so this is going to apply to any EU citizen that was not in the UK before 11pm on the 31st of December 2020, and of course anyone from outside the European Union as well, albeit that citizens of the uh, Irish Republic are exempt from this, so they will be they will continue to have the right to come and work in the UK uh, as had been the case previously. So there's a specific exemption uh, for uh, Irish nationals. Now, for those wishing to come to the UK and work, they are now going to have to achieve a minimum of 80 points under this new immigration scheme. And those points are made up by a number of factors some of which are mandatory and some of which aren't. So I'll, I'll just cover the three mandatory requirements in the first instance. So receiving an offer of employment, a job offer of employment from an employer who is a sponsor under the scheme is a mandatory requirement. The job has got to be at an appropriate skill level. That's also a mandatory requirement and the individual needs to speak English to a required standard. Again, a uh, mandatory requirement. Each of those mandatory requirements come with 20 points and so therefore uh, you can do the maths really quite easily. There's 60 points there and so therefore there is only another further 20 points once an individual has achieved those three mandatory requirements. Now in relation to the other remaining categories there are a number of them. I'm just going to uh, give you a, a quick flavour of a, a few of them. So one of them is a salary of at least £25,600 or the published official going rate for that job if it is higher. So what the government are doing is they are publishing official going rates for particular jobs. Um, and the reason that they're doing that is to ensure that employers don't look overseas to then recruit uh, individuals who might be able to meet the other three requirements but then use it as a way of essentially getting cheap labour. So say for example if a business wanted to go out and get a chief executive uh, they wouldn't be able to get a chief executive for £25,600 under this scheme or at least there wouldn't be any points for that because um, because it wouldn't be meeting the official going rate of that role which is probably uh, I haven't looked it up and perhaps I should have done but it's going to be in the order of about sixty or £70,000 a year. Um, another factor which would 
also provide a further 20 points to any applicant is if the job is identified as a shortage occupation role on the government official list of skills shortages. Another way of getting another 20 points would be if they had a PhD in a STEM subject that is relevant to the job. And as I said, there are, there are other ways in which uh, further points can be obtained as well, but those are the main ones. So they all come with an additional 20 points. So of course, all you need, therefore, is the three mandatory uh, requirements of the job offer from a sponsor, a job at an appropriate skill level, and that the individual speaks English to required standard, and then one of those other uh, categories as well. Um, now, obviously, I've somewhat simplified the scheme here just to uh, uh, talk about it and provide you with a, a feel for the uh, the overall way that the scheme operates. There are many, as I said earlier, there are many twists and turns, and you do have to obviously be very careful when you are dealing with immigration law, and therefore I would recommend that you have a good immigration advisor available to you. Obviously, if you want to get in contact with us, then please do so and we can point you in in the direction of someone. Um, now, just to keep us all on our toes, because if that wasn't enough, the government has now published on the 4th of March um, a what's called a Statement of Changes uh, to these immigration rules. And these changes are being made to primarily deliver a new graduate route and also some other associated changes to other routes as well. And they've also made some changes to the EU settlement scheme, of course. But, uh, but anyway, let's, let's have a look at some of the changes that they're making. So as I said, there's going to be a new graduate route. Um, they're also making changes to uh, the skilled workers and also introducing a global talent category. The changes are all taking place on different dates. I mean, the majority of them are taking place on the 6th of April, but some are a little bit before and some are, uh, are continuing through, or should I say, are being, uh, aren't happening until July. So if there is any particular issue that I'm covering here and you do, and it's important to you that you know the exact date, as I said, I'm not going into the absolute detail of every, everything, everything here, but uh, please do either get in touch or have a look at the government website, which provides a, a very useful summary of it all. And if you were to Google statement of changes to the immigration rules, uh, that will take you to the government website uh, on these changes. Now, as I said, the first significant change is this new graduate route. And the intention of this new graduate route is to provide a new route for international students who have successfully completed an eligible course as a student, which is a uh, uh, and at an organisation, an education establishment of some sort, that has a track record of compliance. Now, what the intention of this scheme is to do is it's to improve the UK's offer to international students who are considering studying here by giving those who successfully complete an eligible course a further two years or three years for those individuals who are being awarded doctorates so a further two years or three years in the UK during which they can work or look for work at any skill level. So it's going to be open to new applications from the 1st of July 2021 and is being used to attract international students to the UK to study for obvious reasons because economically uh, that is 
of interest as part of the government's overall strategy of wanting to attract skilled workers to the UK. It will then also allow international students to stay in the UK to work and to look for work for that period of time, that two years and three years after they graduate. So again, hoping not only that they're going to come and study here, but also remain here, begin to work here and then contribute to the UK economy. Now the graduate route is an unsponsored route and time spent under this route does not count towards settlement. But if a graduate visa holder finds suitable alternative employment in the UK, I say suitable alternative employment, that's a that's a completely different legal test. And sorry, I didn't mean suitable alternative employment, I mean suitable employment. Um, so if a graduate visa holder finds suitable employment in the UK, they will then be able to switch into the skilled worker route providing they then meet the requirements for that category. Whilst the graduate route itself is relatively straightforward, if and when employers want to transition that graduate employee onto the skilled worker scheme, in order, that is, to be able to continue to employ them after the end of this uh, two or three year period that they are granted under the scheme, this is somewhat more complex and with different options available. So you will need to seek some special adv advice in order to uh, navigate your way around that transition. So that's the first change. So that's the graduate, the new graduate route uh, that the government has announced, uh, which is taking a place from the 1st of July. Now, the skilled worker route. The government has made some revisions to the UK-wide shortage occupation list. So when I was talking about the, uh, the various categories in which individuals get points, one of them was the 20 points that you could get if the role that you were recruiting for was on this shortage occupation list. Now, eight occupation lists, sorry, eight occupations within the health, care, health and care sector, as well as modern language teachers, have now been added to the list. So just briefly, the occupations that have been added in the health and care sector are health services and public health managers and directors, residential day care managers and proprietors, laboratory technicians, senior care workers, pharmacists, health professionals not elsewhere classified, physiotherapists and nursing auxiliaries and assistants. So those have all been added to the shortage occupation list. Chefs have been removed from the shortage occupation list but will continue to be eligible for the skilled worker route due to changes in the skills and salary thresholds. Um, and going into even more detail here. So experienced deckhands on large fishing vessels and vent chick sexers have also been added to the list of occupations eligible for skilled worker route. And yes, I did have to Google what a vent chick sexer was too. You might want to Google it yourself, but it really is quite an extraordinary job that I don't think I would necessarily be wanting to do on a day-to-day -day basis. Just Google it. There is also going to be the introduction of a minimum salary threshold or a minimum wage to safeguard employees from being required to work uh, long hours. Now, I was talking earlier about the minimum salary of, or at least not the minimum salary, but the salary of £25,600 for which uh, that then receives a further 20 points. Now, that that figure can come down under various caveats um, 
to 20,480. But of course, one of the one of the possible ways that employers could find their way around the system is just simply to pay someone the 20,480 or 25,000 pound, 25,600 pound and simply double the hours. And then if they double the hours, then of course the hourly rate and the productivity is then effectively uh, the equivalent of a, a much lower salary. So what the government has unsurprisingly done to stop employers bucking the system in this way is by simply requiring uh, or by preventing these uh, workers from being required to work those long hours. They've introduced this minimum hourly rate of pay and that is going to be £10.10 an hour, which equates to £20,480 per year for a 39-hour week. So that's £10.10 an hour. And then finally, I'm going to talk about the global talent category, and which does sound like a very attractive category. I think I would like to be identified within a global talent category. But anyway, this change has been introduced to allow individuals who have received specified prizes to bypass normal immigration requirements. Um, this is effectively a rebrand and an amended scheme that was previously known as the Tier 1 Exceptional Talent Visa. Now, if an individual qualifies under this scheme, there is no requirement for them to either meet the normal minimum salary requirement, um, they can apply for settlement once they've been in the UK for three years, they can apply without having to pass the usual requirement to demonstrate a good understanding of English. So that mandatory requirement that we spoke about earlier uh, has gone. They can move between roles and organisations freely. And so it really is quite an attractive uh, category uh, for you to be able to recruit from. But as I said, that does require the individual to have received one of the specified prizes. Now, I'm not going to start talking about what those specified prizes are um, again if you go to the government website um, by simply googling the uh, the title of this change which is statement of changes to the immigration rules then you'll be able to find the link there and you'll be able to see exactly uh, what specified prizes uh, might qualify uh, unfortunately for me national cycling proficiency does not qualify and so therefore unfortunately I don't qualify under this category as far as I can see anyway. Um, there are also changes to the EU settlement scheme. This is just a little bit of tweaking. So the following changes are being made to the scheme. So first of all uh, the conduct of the individual applying or should I say sorry the conduct of the family members of the individual applying, so the EU national who is applying for settlement uh, before the 30th of June of this year, the con their conduct after the 31st of December 2020 can now be used as a reason for refusing an application, whereas previously it was only conduct up until the 31st of December 2020 that was being taken into account. And applications can also be reviewed if the applicant's presence in the UK is not conducive to the public good because of conduct committed after the 31st of December 2020. Um, so really what it's doing is it's tweaking it to in simply provide that it's going to be able to reject more of the applications, um, albeit on grounds that 
it is on the basis that the government has decided that those people aren't wanted by the UK. There may also be, and I implied this, or I didn't imply it, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but there may be some limited circumstances where applications can be made after the deadline of the 30th of June 2021, if there are reasonable grounds for missing the deadline. But clearly, that's not really going to be an advisable route, and it's very much, a, uh, hopefully, a, a, a safeguard for those who haven't been able to apply because, for example, perhaps they've been in hospital being treated uh, uh, for ill health and haven't therefore been able to make the application for that reason. But uh, I think it's going to be somewhat uh, restrictive in terms of the number of late applications that are going to be accepted beyond that deadline. And as I said, go to the Home Office website for more information on this. Or, of course, if you would like, then please do get in contact uh, with us. I'm just to manage your expectations though, I'm not an immigration specialist, but I can certainly help in giving you some of the fundamental principles of the scheme and also then pointing you in the right direction of someone who will be able to help you navigate the intricacies of this really quite tricky area. So that concludes this episode on immigration. I hope that you have found that useful. Obviously, if you need to get in contact with us about anything, then do so. Uh, my email address is matthew.huggett at carbonlawpartners.com. As I said, please follow me on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook. Have a subscribe to our YouTube channel and check out our previous episodes. And anyway, take care and look forward to the next episode. Mm-hmm.